Welcome to Career Practitioner Conversations. This podcast is presented by the National Career Development Association. This episode features a conversation about LinkedIn with Jeremy Sheepling, Director of Marketing at Khan Academy and author of the number one LinkedIn bestseller on Amazon. Hello, everyone. Uh, Thanks for listening. I'm Melissa Venable, NCDA's Director of Professional Development, and I'm here today with Jeremy Schiefling. Um, We're excited to have you here, Jeremy. Uh, Your background includes working as a career coach, being an educator, an author, a company founder. I think this is a really helpful combination of expertise uh, leading into our conversation today about career development and LinkedIn. So thanks for being here. Oh, it's totally my pleasure. Like This is the stuff I love more than anything else, so I'm so excited to share. Excellent. And before we get started, before we dig into kind of some questions here, I want to let our listeners know that you recently presented a webinar for NCDA titled, What's New on LinkedIn This Year? And anyone can view that recording of that presentation for free online at ncda.org. So I'll put that link into our show notes here as well. Um, Lots of great tools that you revealed (laughs) in that session. So thanks for being such a great supporter of our organization. Oh, that was so fun. I have to say NCDA's membership is just amazing. So really, it was my pleasure. Let's go ahead and dig in. Uh, We'll start with the first question. I think our audience, uh, as you've met a little bit during the webinar, they're not strangers to LinkedIn. They know that's important uh, as far as career development is concerned, career coaching, uh, job search, all that. But so what makes LinkedIn so essential for career development? Yeah, I'm so glad you started there because really this is the big sort of uh, misconception that many job seekers have about LinkedIn, which is, oh, it's another social network amongst many. You know, people are hearing today about I should have a TikTok resume or I should put my stuff on Instagram. And the reality is, is that the thing that makes LinkedIn so special is it's not just a bunch of users sharing content with each other like these other sites. It's job seekers sharing content with recruiters who are on the other side of the screen. And so one thing that job seekers and their career coaches have to know about is when you build a profile, you now become visible to all these millions of recruiters around the world who are searching frenetically on LinkedIn, trying to find talent. And that's so critical because that closes the circuit. That gets your job seekers access to the exact audience they need, which is the people on the inside who can get them hired. Uh, you mentioned um, you mentioned TikTok there. I think this is like this is a super hot topic. Um, it, it's coming up with all of my colleagues in, in various <laughs> um, circles. Where do you see TikTok coming into to something like career development or job search in the future? Yeah, so I'll be honest with you, and this is very much admitted as someone who's fascinated by TikTok, who uses it personally. I don't think TikTok has a feature in career development in the same way that Facebook didn't have a feature in career development. You know, 10 years ago, you'll probably remember, Melissa, as an old hand in this space, that everyone said, oh, Facebook is going to be the next big thing for job search. That never happened. I'm sure they said the same thing for Twitter and other sites. The reality is, and this goes right back to what we just started with, if you put yourselves into the shoes of a recruiter who is incredibly busy, you know, um, there's a recent research out of um, one of the largest HR organizations, SHRM, that says the average American recruiter is juggling 30 to 40 roles at any given time. With that kind of volume on your shoulders, are you going to go and search random videos on TikTok or look for memes on Instagram? No, you're going to search for the exact keywords you need on LinkedIn because that's where all the talent is. And you're going to find them as fast as possible because you want to get back to your life, to your own friends and family. And so I think as long as those tools are not efficient, recruiters will not use them. And you, you know, you mentioned 
in your, your webinar that there is a video component to LinkedIn that, that hasn't really taken off very well. Right. right. Yeah. And I think that's exactly why, right? You know, LinkedIn has this fantasy that they're going to cap- capitalize on all these trends around video and, you know, social media, this and that. But the reality is, if you're a recruiter, do you have time to watch, you know, a 30 second video or minute video for 10,000 candidates? No way. You just want to find the people who have the right skills, the right expertise, and get them into those interviews as fast as possible. So recruiters, really, we, we, we need to put ourselves in the, the shoes of the recruiter when we're thinking about LinkedIn. Yeah, that's the number one thing, I think. You know, it's so funny. We're going to talk about probably algorithms and technology and all stuff. But just think about your fellow human on the other side of the screen. If they have all these candidates to get through, all these jobs to fill, there's no way that they're going to want to spend all this time inefficiently. They've got to be like a heat-seeking missile focused on talent. That's fantastic. That's that's insightful. I think that that's something we can all take away and kind of think about as we're working on our own profiles as well as helping our students and clients. So with all that in mind, what should career counselors, coaches, specialists, advisors, what should these folks focus on related to LinkedIn when they're working with their students and clients? Yeah. So I think there are really three stages and it's going to be familiar to everyone listening to this. The first is that career exploration stage. And a lot of times this is the most exciting stage for a career practitioner. Because this is our chance to mold wet clay, right? Someone comes in, they have passions, they have talents, but they're not sure how to apply them. We get a chance to shape that, help them find their North Star. And a lot of times we think, oh, you know, LinkedIn comes later when you're uh, ready to apply for jobs. But no, I think LinkedIn is the best tool for career exploration because it gives you a chance to find people to light up that path. So for example, when I worked at LinkedIn, I worked on the education team that built out the alumni tool. So if you go to linkedin.com slash alumni, you can see your own alma mater's uh, alumni tool page, or you can certainly search for any university out there. And so I recommend that job seekers start there and say, hey, show me everybody from you know University of Michigan who also majored in philosophy. Oh my goodness, there are all these people who are in sales, business development, operations, who are in all these cool companies like Google and Goldman Sachs and McKinsey. Maybe I could reach out to someone on the inside and understand how they applied that philosophy degree to build this new career path. And I think if they can learn from people who've gone before, that's the most eye-opening experience that will really light that light bulb right above their heads. So would you say there's an implied invitation to connect just by being on LinkedIn? So that if we do generate this list of people, certainly maybe they're not all going to respond if we if we approach them, but we, we should feel pretty confident that it's okay to kind of reach out and, and see if they're interested in, in connecting. Yeah, that's a great question. I wanted to sort of give two, two responses there. So the first is, I think the power of the, at least the American education system, I know this is not universal around the world, is that there's almost a social contract. It's unwritten, but it's definitely understood that when you become an alum of an institution, you are almost obligated to help out the next generation because you were probably helped out by the generation before when you were a student, when you were a recent grad. And so I think if you reach out to a fellow Wolverine or Spartan or Bruin or whatever you might be, you have a pretty good chance of getting a response. If, number one, you write a personalized connection request. You can't just be, hey, let's connect randomly. Got to be say, hey, you know, as a fellow Husky, as a fellow member of you know, the Crimson Tide, I would love to learn from your experience. And I would love to learn how you went from school to building a career that I really admire. I think that's catnip for any alum out there. Number two, and I want to be really clear about this because as much as I love LinkedIn, the downside is that most people don't love LinkedIn as much as I do. They're just not active on the site unless they're looking for a job or they're hiring. And so if you send someone a connection request on LinkedIn, 
you may not get a response back, not because they don't want to talk to you, but because they never saw your message. You know, maybe they signed up for LinkedIn with an old work email and no longer get any of the messages. Maybe they have all of their LinkedIn messages going to spam in their Gmail folder. Whatever the reason, LinkedIn is a very fallible channel for getting in touch with alums. So what I often recommend is go to a separate site called hunter.io and look up the email format for any company in the world for free. You don't need LinkedIn premium. You don't need to pay anything. Just figure out that, hey, LinkedIn.com is first initial, full last name at LinkedIn.com. That's their format. And if you wanted to get in touch with me there, I would have been jshiefling at LinkedIn.com. Now you know I'm going to see your message because I'm checking that inbox 10 times a day. That's a real wake-up call to all of us to update our information, I think, on our profiles um, and to really check the settings. Where are things going? Did we change our email? Now we're not checking that one anymore. Maybe people are trying to contact us. So that's sort of a nice uh, side effect there, I think, of your response. That's Um, right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what's that next stage? You mentioned three stages, Jeremy. Yeah. So the first stage is that career exploration. The next stage is positioning yourself to get ready for that career. So let's say you've gone on this journey of, of discovery with the job seeker that you're working with. They've decided they want to become a project manager or a salesperson or a mechanical engineer, whatever it might be. Now they need to build out a profile that really reflects that because just wishing it and wanting it in your head, kind of like secret style from Oprah, isn't enough. You need to give recruiters the digital breadcrumbs that they can track to come back to your client. And so that means building their profile all around that focus area. And there are a couple of things I want to call out there. Number one, the first thing that every recruiter searches for when they go on LinkedIn and they look for talent is always job title. I'm not looking for a random student from a certain school or a random person who majored in this or that. I need someone who can do this specific job, fill this pain point for my company. And so in that headline, that little piece of text below the person's name, they must get their most important keyword, the job title, in there. And this is where a lot of folks fall down because they say, wait a second. This is kind of like a catch-22. I know what I want to do, but I'm not that thing yet. How could I claim it right there in my headline? And so what I really encourage people who are doing career change to do is to apply a modifier. So if you, if you can't say, for instance, software developer or product manager, you could say aspiring software developer, future product manager, seeking project management opportunities. Because the beautiful thing about LinkedIn is all of those are equivalent in the mind of the algorithm. As long as you have the actual job title in the headline, it doesn't matter what comes before or after, that's going to get you onto the recruiter radar screen. And just to be really clear, that headline is the single most important piece of the algorithm because it's the hardest to gain. You only have 160 characters to work with there, and therefore you can't just stuff it with lots of keywords like the rest of the profile. And so LinkedIn's engineers have given an extra weight in the algorithm to reflect that sort of um, authentic sense of who you are. So always start with the headline. And then number two, once a recruiter has a sense of who's in the space generally, they want to know who can walk the talk, who's got the skills to actually get this job done. And so what I highly recommend is that every um, career practitioner out there have their job seeker become a really great detective when it comes to job descriptions. Don't just read them at a quick glance and say, okay, it looks good. Dig into those bullet points and pull out all the most important keywords and skills the recruiters are calling for. And to help you with that, I really love a tool called jobscan.co. Again, free to use for a couple searches a month that can automatically pull out the most important keywords and figure out which ones your client is lacking. 
And so that way, if they're missing A-B testing or SQL or Python or whatever it might be given the job, you can say, hey, you have that skill. Let's get you credit for it in the about section, the experience section, the skill section. So that way, when the recruiter searches for it, they're finding you. So we're looking at this uh, like we would web development. If you want a page to result on Google's search, you have to have the right keywords. You have to you have to to have the algorithm pick it. So we're looking. It's almost like looking at your profile as a as a website that you need to make sure it gets uh, found and presented in, in someone's search. That is such a perfect analogy, Melissa, because it's exactly like SEO. You know, search engine optimization. Everyone's been doing this since the dawn of Google, and the reality is. Before a human will ever see your profile or read your profile or bring you in for a conversation, an algorithm has to decide that you're worthy of being seen. And so even if it might seem a little artificial or a little bit silly sometimes, you've got to play the game because that's the way the rules are written. And it's all about keywords. Do you have your job title and your headline? Do you have your skills down below? So what's the third component that you wanted to tell us about? Yeah. Okay. So now this is where it gets really exciting. You figured out your North Star. You position yourself to get there. But if you fall back on that standard approach of applying for jobs online, never hearing back, wondering what's happening in that sort of digital black box, you're going to feel really frustrated. And so what I recommend for career practitioners is don't ever let your, your clients become victims of that digital sort of limbo where you apply online, you're not really sure what's going on. Always boost their odds as much as you can. And if you look at the data, the number one definitive way to increase your odds of getting in an interview and getting hired is to get a referral. And now we're going from the technology realm to the realm of humans, the realm of recruiters. Because at the end of the day, a recruiter who's incredibly busy, who's juggling 30 or 40 different jobs, doesn't want to take a chance on a random stranger who just happened to have the right keywords. They want to go with a trusted, surefire thing. And a referral is exactly that. If someone that you would know and trust inside the company goes to bat for a candidate and says, hey, Melissa is amazing. Jeremy is amazing. You sure as heck are going to choose that person over a random stranger. And so I highly encourage every single career practitioner listening out there, take your job seeker to LinkedIn one last time, help them look inside the companies they're excited about. You know, you can pull up the Google page or the Facebook page or whatever the company is that they want to go work for. And you can see all the employees there. Now, filter that list by the employees who have something in common with your job seeker. Maybe they went to the same school. Maybe they have a second degree connection in common. Maybe they even volunteer for the same organizations. Whatever it is, find some connective tissue, something that, that takes your job seeker from where they are to the inside. Have them reach out, build some rapport with that person. And then ultimately, after they build up that relationship, make that ask for a referral that gives them a 10x advantage over someone who only applies online. I like the connective tissue uh, analogy there. And, and you've provided kind of a map here for us to connect all these pieces of a profile and why they need to, to be done in search a, such a way so we can connect these, these students and clients with um, folks that are going to do some hiring. So I really appreciate yeah, what you presented I want to just here. call it a connection between like the first and third steps here, which is if you've really done this the right way, if you've really set up your job seekers for success, the people they reached out to in the very beginning, you know, those Wolverines or Spartans or whomever who went down the path they're excited about, now become the referrers in the final step because they already built the relationship. They already have that kind of mentor-mentee thing going on. And it's so natural for them to ask for the referral because they already want to help. And so I see LinkedIn not as just sort of a series of disconnected stages, 
but this holistic life cycle where you start by learning and that learning ultimately transitions you into that next stage, which is getting ready to actually become a professional in that space. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So in that process, in that life cycle, um, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see people making in LinkedIn? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, there are mistakes at every single stage and I'll just go through them really quickly. I think the first is diving really quickly into a new space, just based on what I would call uh, sex appeal or, you know, brand and image and all that. And I saw this so often when I was in the business school coaching world, people said, oh, I want to be a product manager because that's hot or an investment banker because they make a lot of money or a consultant because everyone's becoming a consultant. And then they would get into those jobs and they'd be super unhappy because it wasn't actually a good fit for them. And so I say, we as career practitioners have to hold our clients' feet to the fire and say, you know what? We are responsible, not just for your future success, but your future happiness. I am not willing to let you dive into this new path, sight unseen. You will need to talk to at least five people in that space so you go in with eyes wide open as opposed to just a hope and a prayer. So I think that's the first mistake. Second mistake is when it comes to profiles, I see so many people have this mental model of the LinkedIn profile must be 100% different than my resume. I know I'm always going to prioritize my resume first. So I end up leaving my profile blank because I'm like, well, someday I'll come back to it and I'll fill it in with all these additional details that are different, which is crazy because the same exact algorithm that drives the applicant tracking system, you know, the companies use to scan resumes is the algorithm that also drives LinkedIn. It's all about keywords and skills. And so if you have helped your clients build out an amazing resume chock full of keywords, take those exact same bullet points and put them right on LinkedIn where they're going to get actually way more value, way more visibility, because unlike a resume that's only scanned occasionally, LinkedIn is scanned millions of times a day every time a recruiter runs a search. So that's the big, that's the big step with stage two. And then third and finally, I think the biggest mistake, and this is just an obvious one, is so many people have the spray and pray approach, which says, let me just apply online randomly, you know, cross my fingers, hope for the best. And the data is so clear that that strategy gives you less than 1% chance of being hired at any of those jobs versus when you get that referral, you have a greater than 10% chance. I'm not a betting man, but if I was, I would prefer those latter odds every single time. Make sure to give your, your students, your job seekers, the very best head start in their careers. I really like this, this comparison of, of the profile to the resume in so many ways. That spray and pray, I think that's something that our, our listeners are familiar with just from a resume standpoint as oh, well. Yeah. So it's nice to know that there's some there's some tandem um efforts here that'll benefit both of those formats. So many of our uh many of our NCDA members and many of our listeners are working in private practice as career coaches, counselors, advisors. How can can those folks use LinkedIn to attract or uh, connect with uh, potential clients? Yeah, oh, such a good question because. I think we often assume LinkedIn is just for job seekers, but it turns out because it's this double-sided marketplace where there are searchers and vendors on both sides of a number of different markets, it's actually a great place to hang out your digital shingle when you're advertising your own services. And so just like a job seeker can go to their profile and say, I am open for work and shine a bat signal to the world of recruiters, you can also go to your profile and you can say, I am open to providing services and shine a bat signal to the world of job seekers. And so people inside LinkedIn can say, I need a resume review. I need someone to help me out with my cover letter. I need someone to help me out with my LinkedIn profile. And they can actually see your advertisement right there on LinkedIn. And by the way, it's free. It's not an advertisement in the sense you're paying for it. 
You're just putting out your business card and saying, hey, here's what I can do for you. So I think that's the first thing. Now, that's just playing defense. If your um, listeners want to go on the offense, what I might do is I might actually search LinkedIn for people who are looking for jobs. So you could search for job seeker, you could search for open for work, you could search for seeking, You know all these keywords that indicate interest. And if you find someone that you believe you could really help, so for example, they're in the right industry or they're in the right life stage or they're in the right demographic, whatever it might be that you focus on in your practice, you could actually reach out to that person and say, hey, I noticed that you're looking. And you could say, I noticed a couple of things about your profile that I'm, I might actually recommend making some changes to based on my expertise in the space. If you're been interested in a free conversation just to get to know each other, I'd be happy to set that up. And that way, you become your own best salesperson, but not in a salesy, aggressive way of just spamming a bunch of people, the same way we talked about spray and pay with job seekers, but instead super targeted, finding people where you know you can provide a real value add, demonstrating that value right off the bat, and making it really easy for them to begin a conversation with you. So I highly encourage you to consider LinkedIn not just a place to find jobs, but a place to find opportunity of all kinds. Thanks so much. That's fantastic. I think that's going to really resonate with lots of our lots of our listeners today. Uh, just like sort of a tangent off of that, you mentioned the open to work and the hiring sort of indicators that uh, we can put on our our profiles that kind of appear right in the the photo. With all the layoffs that we're seeing right now and lots of job change over the last few years, we're starting to see more of that. And I've had people ask me when they've been laid off, should I put the open to work or, or does that, is that like a flag of desperation? Yeah. Um, it's, there, is, are there, there seems to be maybe pros and cons. Do you have, I was just wondering if you have any advice on that. Yeah, this is such a heated debate. So I'm going to give you two responses and we'll see what resonates with the listeners. So the first is just to be really clear that open to work signal. The point of it is actually not to put the little thing on your photo, but to let recruiters know that you're in the game. And so you can actually send that signal without putting it on your photo and still get all the benefits of recruiters who say, oh, I've got you know 10,000 candidates here. Who am I going to choose for my scarce in-mails? I'm going to choose the people who are actually raising their hand and I know are open to new opportunity. So you can send that signal, even if you're currently employed, your boss won't see it, even the recruiters at your company won't see it because they're screened out. So that's the first thing I want people to know. Number two, if you are totally a free agent, if you've been laid off, you're completely out there just trying to look for new, new opportunities, I think that ultimately it comes down to whether you believe in this research around the power of weak ties. This is something that's very famous in the world of sociology and has actually been replicated by LinkedIn itself in the last couple of months, which is the idea that when it comes to being found for new jobs, being connected to new opportunity, we might assume it's our closest friends, it's our family. They're the ones who are going to help us because they want to help us. They love us. But the reality is in practice, it's the people at the periphery of our network who are coming to our rescue because they're the ones who know new opportunities, new companies, new stuff that we didn't even know about. Whereas everyone that's at the center of our nucleus all know the same people and the same things. And so if you believe in that power of weak ties, I would actually turn that little green signal on because that activates your entire LinkedIn network every time you post anything where they say, oh, I didn't know Melissa was looking for a job. I didn't know Jeremy was looking for a job. They're awesome. I loved working with them you know, five years ago. I've got a great opportunity for them. And the only way they're going to know that is if you let them get in on that signal. Now, that being said, I know there are probably some recruiters who see it as a sign of desperation, probably some career practitioners as well. And so if you really don't want to use it, that's totally fine. It's not obligatory. 
But I do think the data suggests that there's something about activating your broader network that's actually the most fruitful in the long run. This has been so insightful. Um, Lots of actionable tips here. I think we can take to work with students and clients every day, Um, especially here at at the end of the year where people are starting to think about 2023, what they're going to do, what kind of changes they might be making. I appreciate your your knowledge. Your energy level is infectious. Hopefully that carries out uh, across the airwaves as well. Thanks, Jeremy, so much for your time. Um, Thanks for your support of NCDA. And it's been a real pleasure talking with you today. Oh, thank you for the opportunity, Melissa. And I just wish everyone a terrific holiday and a great start to the new year. Thank you. And a reminder, um, you can watch Jeremy's NCDA webinar uh, featuring some of the latest uh, in-development LinkedIn tools at ncda.org. Check the show notes for a link. Thank you all so much. Thanks, Jeremy.